Welcome everyone, we are about to begin Bezaz Hashem Feedback and Insight Sheer number 68 and we're going to talk today, continue the discussion of why talk about sexuality with our children and also discuss the Jewish Torah perspective on sexuality as a whole. Um, a lot of this is taken from a book by Dr. Yocheva Dubow um, talking about intimacy and sexuality, very well researched and well thought out book. And um, basically, uh, what we're going to talk about today is to continue that subject. And um, she brings studies that indicate that children, even teenage children, would like their parents to talk to them more about sex and sexuality. And they want them, they want the parents to guide them to know the appropriate behaviors between them and their peers, as well as between men, them, men and women in general, and to hear about our value system in regards to sex and sexuality, and they, so that they can process this information that comes their way. And um, that's important to know. You know, they may, may not acknowledge it to their parents, obviously. Maybe they would be shy or depends on the relationship with their parents. But if they have a close relationship and they trust them, and they have a connection with them, that they want to hear about it from them. And it saves them a lot of Akmas Nefesh from having to hear it and be exposed to it from the opposite, you know, from the opposite uh, negative um, culture that is prevalent in our society today. Now, she also talks, which is interesting, of the complexity of being modern and orthodox. Now, she mentions modern orthodoxy, but the truth is, it's with basically all types of Jews as, as, as opposed to ones that are extremely um, isolated and separate. So again, you have certain groups, Hasidic groups, other groups, that they make a decision that they're really going to be isolated, no internet, no connection with the outside world. And, um, and it's a beautiful thing if they do it the right way and they protect themselves from all the outside sources. And um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful mahalach of life if one is able to do that or is one in, the, in that culture to do that, there are issues with that because many feel closed in or the Misa, Parnasa these days require a certain level of technology and how do you deal with that. But the, the bottom line is if someone is in that culture and is happy with it and is growing as a Yid in those cultures where these things are blocked from them and they're perfectly happy with it and they and they grow that way, kalakavot. But it seems to be, especially in our dar, that even within those cultures, sometimes um, like a rubber band, it snaps and they're curious and uh, and they feel they need to go out of it and to learn more about the world and so on and so forth. But I'm not going to get into that discussion now. That's a separate, totally separate discussion. I'm just bringing up that point because what we're discussing now is the 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 tendency, not just by modern Orthodox, but even by the totally, completely from people that just are interacting with the world because they go to work and they deal with society. So they have this issue of, on one hand, you have the terror values. On the other hand, you're being surrounded by the outside culture. Now, we know that the outside culture, a lot of it is very negative and bad but at the same time there are broader 
range of culture where they do have good things in there, as it says, and they have some um, excellent um, ideas about human growth and science and development and so on and so forth. So the question always was along the lines of the the leaders of Kaisal all through the Dairis of this delicate balance of 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 being totally and completely loyal to Torah values, but at the same t- time being an example to the world and interacting in the world. And that clash is a is it, to learn how to integrate it takes a major amount of work. And what she describes in her book, and it's very very true, what she terms high culture and low culture. High culture basically means, it may not agree with our Torah values, but it has some value to engage in and to understand and to grapple with, because it offers values that are important to consider. So even secular values of high culture, like maintaining a budget, like learning how what to spend and what not to spend, um, um, certain values, you know, concepts of supply and demand and all these types of things and certain basic decencies, um, traffic laws, you know, all these things that are benefiting society in the, in the secular world is something that even a Yid as a Torah Jew living in any country to, is to understand and, and deal with. And Dina the Malchusa and so on, because not every Dina the Malchusa is corrupt. Yes, in our generation, unfortunately, especially in the last uh, 10 years, it took a real deep dive, especially the last year. It took a deep dive south, and the liberal values of, of uh, it became totally twisted. But the idea of respecting the higher culture, of simply respecting needs of human beings, and loving people, and not judging people until you share their experiences, which are terror values and often a lot of it is shared in the secular world as well, that's not something to be shunned. But at the same time, when you have, and if the children are exposed to this, the low culture, which basically in sexuality what it does is, is they use sexuality to draw attention, to sell products, to entertain, and to get people hooked on it. And that's a terrible mida, not just for Jews, but for Goyim as well, for non-Jews as well. It is not a healthy thing. And um, so obviously, as a Torah Jew, we need to reject many and much of the sexual values that's there out in the culture. Because the truth is, the non-Jews, if they want to keep the seven mitzvahs b'nei noyach, or simply just be decent human beings, they too need to reject a lot of the sexuality and the sexual values that are here in modern society. And we for sure need to really separate from that. So when they, if, if, if you have children that are exposed to shows or the non-Jewish world that offers hookups and commitment-free approach to sexuality, uh, we're just two consenting uh, legal adults that could do whatever we want sexually and so on, and that's the culture you live in, we need to go back to our strong Jewish roots connecting to Tyra, connecting to Hashem, to realize what sexuality is and to use it the right way. She brings, the, and she must have interviewed and talks about how teenagers, modern Orthodox teenagers, so here's one girl that she's 15 years old, 
and she's expressing her dilemma. You know, everyone else sees movies. Everyone is with their boyfriends doing everything. And we can't. And I can't. Why not? I'm told I just can't. I'm told about Kedusha, about Tahara. And you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. But the whole world is doing this and that. So what's wrong with me? And why can't I do that? And it's very hard to deal with it. And um, it's... and And... She brings that there's a study in Israeli modern Orthodox teenage girls that most of them confirmed that the exposure to the majority of the culture influences them. It does create a feeling of tension, of collision between what the popular culture is and what Yiddishkeit is in their homes and in their in their lives. In other words, they want to be committed to Yiddishkeit and they want to connect with Hashem, but they're also immersed in popular American culture or Israeli culture and with the contemporary shows and the movies and so on and so forth. Now, to just say stay away from them, obviously, you know, that would be ideal, but the bottom line is, is that's a reality. And and even if they try, it's definitely absorbed in there. So the question is, we have to face reality that when modern Orthodox teenagers, and the truth is, even in yeshivish circles, Hasidish circles too, in, the, in a silent, quiet, indirect way, they are still heavily involved in popular culture, quietly, secretly, or openly, and they're very un-Jewish values. And they need to know how to, how to deal with that and how to, um, you know, um, deal with that conflict. And the truth is, I mean, it's not just Jews religious Jews that have this issue, Torah committed Jews, other cultures have the same problem. And if we're talking about even Christians um, in this country, the ones that have their heads screwed on straight, they have the same type of issue. And Muslims, again, we're not talking about the maniacs that blow people up, but the many silent majority, you know, that that are not interested in violence and not interested in hating Jews and they just want to do their own thing, they also have this similar issue with a culture, the liberal sexual culture and the, the self-absorbed capitalists and the communists on the other side. It just creates a tremendous tension. It brings an emotional here that when you have a warm front and a cold front meet in weather, it produces a thunderstorm, and this is what happens to us as Eden, as Jews, in our culture, in our Dar, where we have two opposite forces. We have the Torah force of being connected to Hashem and to Yiddishkeit, and then we're being thrown into the Golas with all that exposure, and that creates a tremendous conflict, and we need to learn how to deal with that. And then, of course, there was the overall general discussion about Torah Derecheretz, how much you involve yourself in the world, how not, not going to get into it because, um, but but it basically goes through the shita of Rosham Shalfal Hirsch, Tyrim Derecheretz, and the two opposite approaches. Again, like in the even in in the, you know, the Hungarian Hasidish Mahalach was to isolate and to fight and to and, uh, and and to fight any any concept of modernism and to just isolate and that was a Mahalach, and then the other Mahalach is no, it's best to inoculate it. It's best to it's sort of like an immunization where they're exposed to it to an extent and then they know how to deal with it. And that's part of Hashkadosh Baruch Hu's 
Eitzah Muka of this Golis as well, that you have to be in Golis, be exposed to the Golis, and then elevate it and bring it up. And that is, that is also uh, an important thing to know. So the discussions about modern Orthodox, if, if they're already exposed to these things, when the parents have discussions with children like that, you need to think about these things and ask these questions. Does acting talent play a greater role in becoming a media star? Does female beauty play a major role in becoming uh, a star? And why, when actresses meet, uh, hit middle age, all of a sudden their roles in movies diminish? You know, while many people apply, many of these points apply to male actors as well, but for women it's especially true because they objectify women more in society. And TV and movies and advertisements always sends us constant messages that looks is what matters, and that's a value to an extreme. And we get those negative ideas from that culture, and parents and educators need to discuss this and to realize that these are false narratives that we need to think about and fight against with using our logic and explaining it to our children so that they understand it as well. And they have the ability to understand it, and very often they want to understand it. They feel relief on those clear boundaries, by the way. People think that children, even teenagers, are happy when their parents are totally loose and let them do whatever they want. But yes, they don't want to be uh, 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 totally um, ruled over or being bossed around or to crimp on their independent feelings. But at the same time, they do want directions. They crave direction. They are concerned about boundaries, about modesty, about sexuality, about relationships. And it's important for parents to be wise to, to bring that in. Shal follow Rehersh brings a very interesting, um, powerful uh, Yisoid, which is a real Chiddush. And it's a different shot in the Pasuk that when Avram was commanded to send Yishmol away, it says that it was very distressed Avram greatly regarding his son. So the simple meaning is that he was upset about his regarding his son, Yishmol, that he was kicking out. It bothered him that he had to throw him out. But Rosh Hashanah Hirsch teaches that the matter distressed Avram regarding his son Yitzchak. He was distressed about Yitzchak, the fact that he had to throw Yishmol out. Because Avram felt he wasn't blind to Yishmol's faults. But he believed that Yitzchak's pure character, by being exposed to this, while of course Avram is trying to be mechanechim to get in the right path, Yishmol, would be helpful to Yitzchak to understand both sides of it. It's similar to the question, and it's a complicated concept, of Rivka, right? He, she didn't have a choice. She was born in a negative family environment, but a, a, in a certain sense, that got her to be who she really was a tzadikus of a certain nature that Hashem wants in this world. And in our dar, that's pretty much what it is because we're exposed, similar in a way, to Rivka, not Baruch Hashem in, within our mishpachas as well for most of us, or hopefully some of us, at least. But outside in the culture, it's, it's, it's really difficult. Now, starting these conversations with parents, children could be difficult, but it's important to... to, to, to um, to bring it out. And 
the tr- tr- truth is, this is very important. Um, she bring he brings another girl, age sixteen, saying like this. You know, no one's explaining to me. Everyone else hugs each other. Good friends, boys and girls, they hug each other. I have a boy that's a good friend of mine, and I'm not allowed to hug you. What do I do? You know, you need to tell me why. Why can't I do that? You know, just don't tell me I can't. It's embarrassing. Again, you're dealing with the people who are exposed to that culture. And there's such a promotion these days of casual sex and people not being shamed in the gear. It's like a foreign thing. And the truth is, is just to tell a teenager that your future sexual health can under, can be undermined by your involving in sex now at a young age, they'll understand it intellectually, but that's not enough. Because if you think about it, if, if, if a girl or a boy is right now 14 or 15 and their hormones are raging and, and, the, and they have these nisyonis, they have these tests and they want to act out on it, by you just telling them, even if, you know, in, 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 and even if they believe it, 100% believe it, that if you hold yourself back now, you will be able to have a wonderful, beautiful relationship when you get older. And truth is, I did express a lot of this in those shiurim early on when I was going through the Ali Shur, because it is a true concept. It is true that the, 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 the holding back and being Kaddish and being Shaiman Nagia and, 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 and removing yourself from that sexual force while your teenage years will definitely help you when you get married later. But you need to know for a teenager, that's very difficult to swallow. Someone at 14, you're going to tell them, they're going to say, well, wait a minute. So you're telling me now that I have to hold back from all of my urges and everything. And it's based on a distant hope that 10 years from now, that when I'm going to first kiss my kala in the yichud room or, or that, that it's going to be meaningful for me. That doesn't talk to me. That's way uh, down the road even if it's true. So what means it's like this, and this is a very important point. It's for people who are teenagers that are listening to this or the parents of teenagers that are listening to this. They need to be taught present tense reasons why holding back now will help you now. Why will help in your current Kedusha now. Not, not, not just because your marriage will be better and your relationship with, with your wife will be better when you get married. That's true too. But they need to know, for some people, hey, you know, that's 10 years down the road, 8 years down the road, 5 years down the road. I can't wait that long. I can't handle that. I want it now. I have spoken. I did volunteer work. I go emails back and forth with teenage boys and teenage girls. They tell me the same thing. When we explain, I understand that there's a future benefit to this. But I want it now. So you need to give them reasons, present tense, re- present tense reasons, why committing talocha now and the restraint now has a value and will give you nachas ruach, ultimately, despite the difficulty of the Nisayan. And part of it is emuna. Part of it is having more belief in Hashem in a tangible way, that He's really with you and He's watching you and His will is lo'elam vo'ed. And when He says what's best for you, that means it is best for you. And if he's telling you, even at 15 or 14 or 16, that you can do this and that it's best for you, it's best for you not just because of a future relationship, sexual relationship with your husband or with your wife, but it's important now, as your growth now, as a 14-year-old, as a 15-year-old, as a 16-year-old. 
And the truth is, and it's very important, people think that just the modern Orthodox or just the irreligious are overwhelmed by these sexual thoughts within them. But religious teenagers, no matter how from they are, and even the ones that are pretty isolated, uh, you know, and, and in these more um, protective cultures, where men and women are separate, and they're the opposite sides of the mechitza, even opposite sides of the streets, and they don't dress uh, in lack of, they don't dress not betzniyistic, they also have these issues. Less so, but it's still in their thoughts, in the background. And it's very important to address it. And you need to help children grow and teenage children grow in Amuna, in Betachin, in Simcha, in, in, in why Hashem finds it important and says important. You need to, if you channel your energies now out off the sexual realm that right now is not permitted to you into other areas, you can be, do tremendous things. And it will help you, Bezaz Hashem, in your future marriage as well. But you need an incentive for now. HaKadosh Baruch Hu realizes that we're human beings, we're basavadams, we're combined with a body and a soul. And when dealing with sexuality, Hashem understands this. And that's part of what you need to understand. The guilt of the actual struggle is wrong. There's no reason to be negative about the struggle itself. And even as you fall, like we talked about in the past, when we discuss Sheva Yipal Tzadik V'Kam, Rav Hutner's letter and all those things. We need to learn that very important aside, that a lack of success in fulfilling a mitzvah or falling down and being nechshal cannot allow to beat you down. The struggle itself is of great value. Now, of course, it doesn't mean you just let it go and say it's nothing. You know, you work on yourself, you pick yourself up, but not to be overwhelmed by it because the normal setbacks in life are normal, and in the sexual realm, the normal setbacks are also normal. And it can't, the guilt feelings is understandable. You could use it the right way, but it shouldn't per, push a person away from seeking out HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Even if they're not sexually pure now and they have these uh, uh, you know, thoughts constantly and so on, but as long as you're moving towards Kedusha, even if you have the struggle, you are accomplishing a tremendous thing. Males and females are created with a strong physical, physical attraction to each other. That is the nature of how Shem made it that way. It's nothing pathological about it. It's not a mental illness by the fact that males are drawn to females and want to have sex with them, and females to males. That is a normal, healthy thing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put in you, put in us. The Halachas is not saying that that doesn't exist. Halacha is saying channel it right now, save that energy for your marriage. But there is an acknowledgement that the natural desire is not an easy thing to control. It takes avoid and it takes fences. That's why Chazal made these gedarim. That's why the Chazal say you're not allowed to kiss anybody. You know, whatever, other than whatever relatives, whatever it is. But So you're going to say to yourself, what do you mean? This one's uh, 70 years old, what's the big deal? Not my relative, but she's only she's seventy. This one is a is, is a female friend of mine, but I'm not attracted to her at all physically. So I kiss her to make her feel good. What's the big deal? But the Rabbi Chazal understood that we need to have a system for everyone that everyone does, 
It's similar to the idea of if someone that has a problem with alcohol. So he makes a decision, I will not go to a party with alcohol, right? So you get, he's a, totally a distant from that Nisayin. That's the Chazal's intent. As opposed to, I'm going to go to that party that has the alcohol, and now I have, a make, make, I have to make a decision to stay away from it, even though I feel stupid saying no to the alcohol, especially when my friends are there and they're all drinking and they're pressuring me, no, have a drink. It's much more difficult then. So what Chazal say, like in this type of mushal, don't go to the party with the alcohol. It'll make your life a lot easier than if you go to that party and now have to deal with that temptation that's right in front of your nose. And that's the idea of these gedarim. They're not meant there to make your life miserable. They're made there to make your life more pleasant and to cope. That doesn't mean you can't enjoy life. And it can't, doesn't mean that when you're married, you can't enjoy the sexual pleasures as well, as it's meant to be. And you will. You all will, Mi'at Hashem. But that is the point. So that's why it's so important to discuss sexuality. With, you know, a, a parent should be mature about it, learn about it in a healthy way, give it over to their children and teenage children. If they don't know how to do it, they should find someone that they know is good with it to discuss these things, to be open with it. And because the culture has it anyway, you're going to know about it anyway. They know more than you think they know. They know more about it than you do, maybe even, which is crazy, but that's the way it is in this generation. So we need to learn about it, and we need to be directed, and we need to channel it and use it in the best possible way and make teenagers feel safe and feel un- and understand their struggles and again, realize, this is an important point, just to end off with this point, that although what we said also back in the Ali Shur Shiurim in the beginning, in the Pachad Yitzchak Shiur in the beginning, and it is true that you tell a teenager, when, even when they're 14, 15, 16, whatever, that they, the more that they channel it and, and, and direct their sexual energy and hold it off till marriage, it'll help their marriages down the road. And that is a million percent true. And that could be a motivation but that's not enough because it's too, it's too far in the distance. You need to show the teenage boys and girls why n- now there's definitely positive, positive, positive benefits physically even and mentally and then emotionally now by restraining in this area and to grow that way and to be besimcha despite the fact that we all have these struggles. Have a wonderful day.